Hi, this is Z with MR Explorer. You're about to listen to a conversation with a couple of the charter members of CORE, the Color of Research, in the UK. We had a chance to sit with Sienna Jumi and Tatenda Musisengwa to discuss CORE, discuss their discuss Sia's and Tatenda's experiences being people of color in the market research industry. And we think you'll find it an extremely enlightening and super fascinating conversation, not only about their experiences, but also what CORE is setting out to do. Enjoy. Hey, Sia. Hey, Tatenda. It is so great to chat with you today. Um, so glad that both of you were able to join us. We really are legitimately super and authentically grateful for you lending your voices as people of color in the research industry talking about um, what your experiences are like, what you've seen, and and how things are going. So let's kick it off with a couple introductions. Sia, we'd love to hear from you first. Tell us a little bit about your experience with the market research industry. Cool. Well, hi, everyone. Uh, firstly, thanks for having me on. Um, my name is Sia, and um, I've been working in the market research industry for almost three years now, so not many years compared to a lot of people in the industry. Um, I work for a language service provider um, called One Global Solutions, and we are actually a service provider to the market research industry. Um, we help with um, language services, so we support market research studies with translation, transcription, and interpreting. Um, so yes, I've been doing that for three years. Um, I was actually promoted yesterday from business development executive to market research account director. Um, so congratulations! Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's been. I mean, I've been with the company for three years, but it's been quite a big jump. Um, in terms of my role and stuff. Um, but I mean, I love the industry. You know, I've been, I've managed to progress in it quite fast. So, um, so yeah, I think three years is, is quite good um, for yeah. my understanding. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Tatenda, what about you? Tell us about your experience, your role in the market research world. Oh, hi guys. Thanks for having me. Um, I can't boast of being promoted as quickly as Sia has in three years. Um, I wish I could. Um, I've been in the industry for about 10 years now. Uh, I work for Youth Site Research, and Youth Site Research is an insight agency and a panel owner that focuses specifically on the youth market. So, in one end of the spectrum, we work with universities and clients that want to understand what young people are into today. Mm-hmm. And the division that I run is called the Panel Data Services Team, and I focus on giving access to other agencies, panel companies, to our panel to do fieldwork, essentially. So, yeah. Very cool. I love it. You know, in the way of introductions, uh, as people of color in research, and understanding that this is a podcast, so our listeners can't see you, um, and not all ethnic diversity is actually easily visible. We'd love to hear what is your ethnicity and your background. We'll start with you first, Sia. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, So originally I'm from South Asia. My parents are from Afghanistan. um, And they moved to the UK about 30 years ago. So I'm a first-generation child. Um, And so, yeah, so my ethnic background is Afghan, but I was born here, so I'm British Afghan. um, So juggling two identities there. Katanda? Oh, uh, yeah, so my background is I'm half Zimbabwean, half South African. Uh, so I moved to the UK about, gosh, uh, 15 years ago, I want to say. Um, 
So, yeah, it was a big culture shock, I would say. But, yeah, I kind of see myself as half British, half African now. Okay. That's really – I love that both of you identify as kind of as having this – almost this dual identity or almost um, like see you mentioned you're almost kind of battling this or uh, battling mm-hmm. these almost dual identities. Um, what is that – like, I mean, we're in the U.S., so we have a very U.S.-centric perspective. Can you share a little bit just to help enlighten us? And most most of our listeners are likely in North America. What is it? Mm-hmm. Can you, I don't know. Can you just talk a little bit about like what it's like in the U.K. when you have these very two different kind of identities that you're that you have? Yeah, sure. Yes, I mean, having juggling those two identities, I think, is something I've been kind of battling with throughout my life. Um, I think, I mean, being born into an Afghan family, I mean, my native language is a, a daddy, so it's actually English. Um, so I think, you know, just starting out in school and, and, you know, it's very, it's the first thing you kind of recognize is that you're not, you're not English and, you know, you are Afghan and, you know, you have to kind of um, integrate into these two societies and it can be very conflicting to coexist in these two worlds because they're so, so different. And um, especially with the cultures, the Afghan culture is very conservative and, you know, there's certain morals and values that are very completely different to the British. Um, so, I mean, throughout my life, I've quite struggled and like even things with my name, for example, my full name is actually not Sia, it's um, something else, but I shortened that to kind of fit into that society. Um, but I think, you know, leaving school and coming to, you know, a profession, I, I feel more comfortable, um, you know, with both of my identities. Um, you know, it's something I'm, I've been embracing a lot more. Um, but that doesn't go to say, you know, I haven't had negative experiences growing up. Um, you know, even in my neighbourhood, even told this day, there's kind of like a divide and um, there is, you know, racism that's quite prevalent. So I wouldn't say it's something that's completely got, gone away, but it's something I'm embracing more now than before um and you know it's it's an interesting journey i would say you know there's a lot of ups and there's a lot of downs but you know i love both of these identities i love being afghan and also love being british um and i think it's it's really unique as well to have those two different experiences you know because you have two different perspectives on how you see the world um and so yeah so <laughs> that's um that's my challenges yeah i love that Katanda, do you have anything that you could share on that yeah, I guess my experience is slightly different uh, for two reasons. I grew up in Africa till I was kind of in my mid-teens. Um, so, you know, I have a different experience of other people that might come to the UK when they may be young kids or, or, or that, on that perspective. So I've kind of grown up in my formative years, for, for some of my formative years, I guess, in Africa and then moved to the UK. So I do have a slightly different experience. I think the, the, the challenges I've sort of faced is when I moved to the UK, what was very interesting is that because I'm black, people kind of put you into one pot of black people, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But actually, where I'm from, we're very different from Nigerians and Ghanaians and Caribbeans. I'm from southern part of Africa. So, you know, sometimes I have these experiences where people think, oh, you're black and you're African, you all got, everyone from Africa must be the same, right? But actually, it's very, very different. Um, but I guess from my perspective, I, I enjoy the fact that, you know, I find London quite a multicultural place to live especially where I grew up, which is South London. You, I think in London now there's about 50% ethnicity breakdown being people from every background versus people being white. So mm-hmm. personally, I never had those racist experiences, maybe that, you know, other people have experienced, maybe that moved to other 
non sort of ethnic type cities. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad I moved when I did move because I get to see the world. I get to experience people that might not be from where I grew up. And you get to kind of mingle and, and kind of understand different cultures. So for me, it's been more of a positive experience, I'd say. But um, it does love its challenges sometimes, like everyone thinking you're black, so you're all the same. That makes sense. Right. <laughs> Right. I think that that's something that is becoming more of a conversation in the U.S. just in the last six to seven months of, again, I think time is just a construct. I think we've been saying for the last six months, for the last Last eight months, (laughs) I guess. But I, I think now it's just finally coming out of people outside of the black community Find one listening, and two, finally recognizing that okay, you, it's not smart. You can't. I mean, you can, but it's not right to lump yeah. people, um, all people of color, into one bucket, or all women of color into one bucket. That there's a difference between even there's a difference between saying the black community and the African American community, and you know what does that mean? And then same with um, Latinas uh, and, and Latinos in the U.S. Like, they're, it's not just everyone coming from one country or coming for the same purposes, um, that everybody has a different origin story. And I'm hopeful mm-hmm. that that will continue. Um, so, you know, we see kind of a similar thing here. And hopefully yeah. it's on the right trajectory. <laughs> no, Katenda, I, I completely empathize with you because my mother is from El Salvador. And so I am Latina. And people think, oh, Latina. Well, first of all, they see my skin, very white, and no one ever thinks Latina. When they hear me speak, they're like, oh, you just know how to speak Spanish well. No. <laughs> <laughs> my mother's from El Salvador. I have a Latina background. I was raised as a Latina in a white neighborhood. Oh, wow. With, wow. with a, my mother was very conscious of everything needing to be you are white. You mm. like it, there was Spanish spoken in the home when she was angry. Otherwise, it was just English, right? Yeah. Um, but I have found as an adult, especially, that people hear Latina and they don't think the diversity that comes within that, and yeah. not just that, but the diversity that comes from even the various paths of being a first generation. Yeah. Um, citizen of, you know, Latina and white. So, see, I totally hear that where you're living in two different worlds. But my experience is a primarily white experience because my mother mm-hmm. was very adamant of you're going to be growing up in a white world, be as white as you can. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I, I totally hear you, though, because people will, will be like, oh, El Salvador. So and then they talk about us, about Salvadorians uh, celebrating the same things as the people from Mexico do. It's like, no, they actually have different different independence yeah. days. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a lot different there. There's idiomatic yeah. expressions, everything. There is just so much variety and so much richness there that gets totally overlooked by being lumped into one group. Exactly. 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 I totally I told you where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like the term vain that's used here quite often, and you know, a lot of people of colour don't really like that term because it kind of lumps everyone into just one little phrase of you know vain, um, when we're all so very different and you know have our own kind of um, you know values and differences and stories. So yeah, yeah. I definitely agree. Yeah. 
I love it. Um, awesome. Well, thank you for that expanded introduction discussion. I think it's really important. Um, so one of our goals of this podcast and this series within our podcast is to just have more of these continuing discussions about diversity and inclusion in the market research industry. And as part of that, we would really love to just start talking about your own personal experiences um, as people of color in the market research industry. Um, so, Chitendo, let's start with you. Um, what are some of the common issues or threads that you've seen in the market industry when market research industry when it comes to diversity? Yeah, it's a good question. I think um, if I look at it from a historical perspective, definitely when I started working in industry probably about 10 years ago, um, there were very few people of an ethnic background uh, that looked like me. So, I, you know, my background in, in, at YouthSite has always been sort of business development. So I've always been the guy going to conferences, networking events. And when you walk in, it's very clear that, you know, there's not many people of color in the room, essentially. So I think that was the first thing that struck out to me. Um, and then there would be little instances sometimes as I got more senior that I felt when I had conversations with other people who might be senior and they didn't know who I was, I used to have this feeling that maybe they think I'm just some guy that works in operations or I'm just the junior research guy, right? They never thought that I might be um, someone who might want to see a level just like them. And that, I think that's partly because sometimes I do have this sort of a youthful energy, if that makes sense. But also <laughs> I, think <it's, laughs> I think it's also partly, um, but I've always thought that maybe it's partly to do with the way I look. What I will say, though, is definitely now, I see definitely more people of an ethnic background uh, in the industry when I go to events. And even more than that, I also see more women and people of an ethnic background in senior leadership positions. But there still needs to be a huge uh, improvement on that, on, that, on, that, on that aspect, you know. And there has been some changes, but I think there's still a long way to go. Um, I've been lucky as well, I guess, that where I work, YouthSite is a very inclusive company. And... Um, the CEO that employed me and, 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 and runs the company has always been someone that looks past those issues. And also because we're a youth agency, you're expected to have quite a diverse background of people, right? Because you need a diverse view, views, or, you know, millennials, Gen Z, they have these, they think differently to maybe older generations. So I've been very lucky in where I work, but I will say there's still some challenges when you look at recruitment and when you look at senior level development, that, that there needs to be some more movement to kind of bring positive change. Awesome. Um, I also think that uh, maybe bringing an air of uh, youthful energy to some of these conferences with some of the more senior people in the industry is not a bad thing. <laughs> That's good to know. That's That's good on the right track. Amen. We need a bit more youthful energy at some of those conferences, man. Yeah. <laughs> Just as a quick follow-up, um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, um, you know, you say as you have stayed in the industry and what you're seeing now is more women in the industry and you are seeing a bit more diversity. Why do you think that is? Um, I, well, a couple of things. I think Mark Research has always traditionally been female-heavy. Um, but what I will say is I've noticed as with the senior leadership positions, you are getting a bit more diversity. Why that is? Um, it's a good question. I think a lot of companies are probably taking this a bit more seriously, right? And especially in the last couple of years, I, you know, the feedback in, from the core perspective that we've seen probably in the last year or so has just been amazing. And I think a lot of companies are trying to make a difference. And that, that's probably where it comes from. Um, I also think, uh, 
you know, you're getting more people who are entering the industry who see it as a career rather than just something they fall into as well. Um, mm-hmm. When I first started, definitely the conversations I would have with people starting with me, it was, I've fallen into this industry, I've fallen into this career. But I think now market research and analytics and insight is becoming something that is seen as more established. And that's largely because I think data, you know, there's a saying that data is the new oil, the new mm-hmm. oil of today, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's the hot industry to kind of be involved with. And as a result of that, I think a lot of people who may not have necessarily seen this career are staying on and trying to develop their careers as a result. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, um, what kind of impact, um, as someone that is uh, a little bit more tangential to um, the industry, but you still are very much involved, especially now with your new market research director, account director title, <laughs> um, what kind of results of, you know, some of these diversity and inclusion issues in the market research industry, what kind of impacts are you seeing come out of some of the research or experiences that you're seeing um, with other people in the industry? Yeah, I mean, I think from personal experience, echoing what Sandra said, I think, you know, when I first started out in the industry, um, first thing I did notice was, you know, the underrepresentation um, under of, you know, the ethnic, um, the ethnic rate. And it was something that kind of deterred me at first. It was very intimidating, you know, being as young as I am and kind of, you know, um, networking and going to all of these conferences. Um, it was quite, it was quite daunting. Um, and, you know, for me, I didn't, it didn't put me off, but made me want to kind of um, push myself to kind of progress even further for that reason. Um, and I remember coming into it, I kind of subconsciously created my own social ethnic bubble. Um, like I just naturally gravitated toward people towards people of colour and looking back I think I really did that to make myself feel comfortable and you know feel included in the industry um, and it really did help and you know tying that back into call one of the reasons why I wanted to be a part of it was because I wanted to create this kind of you know this body for people of colour to kind of associate with and feel connected with because for me that really helped my career um, but I think for other people you know coming into the industry um, as young professionals and um, one ethnic background it can be really intimidating and it can it can make you feel like you don't really want to, you know, have a long-lasting career um, in the industry if you're not feeling included or you don't feel like you can connect with people. Um, so I think the impact would be just, deter- you know, having people deterred from it, um, which is, you know, something that you wouldn't want from such an amazing industry because it is, you know, what what what, what you guys do is amazing and, you know, the re- results that we share in the world is um, something that everyone would want to be a part of. So, yeah, I think that's one of the impacts, I would say. That's awesome. Um, what do you think, I just, I think it's so great that, um, you saw something when you first entered the industry as, you know, the lack of diversity as intimidating, but instead of running from it, um, you wanted to conquer it. Like that, I think that's incredible. Um, and I think that, um, uh, I think attacking networking confidence issues is something that we 100% want to address in this podcast in the future. What can you tell us about, like, where did you get that confidence? How did you build it? Like, tell me things because I don't have it. Like, tell me what I need. <laughs> I wish I could. I mean, I think just like from a young age and like being motivated by, you know, negative experiences with race, like I've always just wanted to overcome it and, you know, turn around and 
to these people that I used to, you know, have problems with me and with my race and say, you know, I've made it this far and I've done it and race has not been an issue. Um, and I think naturally I'm kind of just one to really push myself to do things that I'm not really comfortable with. And I also want to be a role model, for, um, you know, just for my family. Um, you know, we don't come from a great background. We're not really privileged. So I don't want to come back home and say, you know, I'm not, I'm not really feeling this job because I feel so out of place. But, you know, it wasn't something that was even, even an option. Like it wasn't a thought, you know, oh, I can just leave and do something else. So I kind of just stuck with it and um, kind of enjoyed it as well. Because, you know, I made this social ethnic bubble and then I was so comfortable and I just really, you know, I go to network events, I kind of pretty much try and talk to everyone. Um, so, so, yeah. We'll have you back. We'll peel. We'll get back. <laughs> I, I just wanted to add something to what Sia said, if that's okay. I think, yeah. from, from my perspective, I think I've been lucky that I have um, heroes, if that makes sense, that I can look up to. And it's not necessarily people who are in the industry, but my dad's... Um, kind of has had a similar trajectory to me in a weird way, even though he's much older, in the sense that he was a young African guy that ended up working in the UK and the US for a sugar company. And he was the only black guy in the company. And um, he managed to do relatively well in a short amount of time. And then he's obviously retired now. But he kind of he kind of taught me these lessons about, you know, you almost have to, it's very difficult actually, because, you know, what Sia's talking about are real issues. And sometimes what you have to do when you, from an ethnic background is you almost have to say in your head, as, is almost say to yourself that race isn't the issue and I just have to ignore it, even though there might be mm. things that come up along the way. And that's something that I've been very lucky to see with my dad and things that he's taught me. And, and the basic point I'm trying to make is that heroes do make a difference and when you see other people who are senior who are doing very well it can kind of say to you it can help you say okay i can be that person right right and that's one of the things that we want to do with core it's it's kind of giving a platform for people to actually say okay to tend see already who's a director we can be the next guys that follow that sort of career trajectory and then and that and that's something that is very cool to something that i believe in to help making real change as well yeah, I think it, it, no, it does. It made me think of a comment that I heard once um, that I have heard actually quite a bit in terms of like women in tech, women in science. And it's, if you can't see it, you can't be it. But I think I think parallel to that um, is people like like yourselves who it wasn't there, but you knew you could be it anyway. Right. And so forging those paths to become Sia, to become that role model that mm -hmm. others can look up to so that they can say, Sia is the person that I see forging those paths and she is going where I want to go. Since she's doing it, I can do it. You know, for lack of seeing that that role model yourself, you're like, it's not there. I'm going to be it. I'm going to fill that void. And I think that is incredibly powerful um, and something that we tend to overlook so much, especially when it comes to trying to move these things forward, is that sometimes you can't see what you can't become what you can't see, but sometimes you have to because no one else is. Yeah. And and, yeah. and just exactly. you know, sometimes you just have to you have to blaze those trails and mm. create it. Yeah. Um, you do you feel like you, because you were, 
you know, you had these heroes. Do you feel, do you both, I mean, both of you see as you're kind of now just climbing your ladder so quickly and to tend to, you know, you're already in a leadership position. Do you feel the need to become these heroes for the next, like, generation or some of the people that are coming into the into the industry now? Do you or feel your like peers even. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a good question. Um uh, personally, I didn't. I'll be honest, I didn't until I started to get more notoriety in the industry through networking and so forth, and people coming up to me and asking me, "How did you do it?" And I never really, I never actively said, "Okay." I never had like a career plan where I said, "Okay, in ten years, fifteen years, I'm going to be here." And I, and I, at first when I got asked that question, I kind of was a bit taken aback because I was just like, I just worked, you know what I mean? Like right. it, it wasn't something that I consciously actually said I'm going to go and be the top by this this date. But it's something that has become more clear as you know I've got more, I guess, more exposure, especially with call where people have actually come to me privately and send me emails and LinkedIn messages and say, oh, it's great to see your position, it's great to see how your career has progressed. I've seen your profile on LinkedIn. It'd be great to chat to you about how you've done it. And it's not something that I thought about, but it's now something that I realize actually there's something there, right? And that's kind of why also with Call we started this mentorship program to try and actually give opportunities for people who might be doing the mid-level to actually have conversations to see how they can progress in their career as well. Yeah. Uh, Sia, what do you think? I think for me it's it's kind of more intentional, I think because race kind of plays a really big part of my life already naturally. Um, And, you know, coming into the industry and not being represented that much, I think just naturally I wanted to be, like, champion, to be, you know, pushing, driving um, diversity. And I I do want to one day, you know, be a role model and, you know, kind of go out there and speak to the younger generation and say, listen, you know, there's a lot of us, you know, here and, you know, you'll be welcome and included and feel like you're a part of it. Um, So definitely I think down the line I do want to. I don't see myself as one now, but um, I do hope so. Um, for the future. That's amazing. So we've referred to CORE a couple of times. Um, for those of our listeners who aren't familiar, um, CORE is Color of Research, and it's in the UK. Um, I'm going to read off part of your the mission statement, which is instigating change from the inside out. Color of Research advocates for the inclusion of ethnic professionals in the market research industry. Our aim is to provide guidance and encouragement while forging meaningful connections to enable growth and development. Our mission is to be seen and heard in an industry we love but are currently underrepresented in. I just, I love that, that entire statement. Can you tell us both about how you and the rest of the founders of CORE came up with that mission and what it means to you personally. Sia, we'll start with you. Yeah, um, I think the mission statement in itself came a lot, came very naturally and easily. Um, we all connected and we didn't all know each other when we founded um, CORE. And for us, you know, we all shared that one connection of having sharing these similar experiences in the industry, you know, in, inside the industry and outside. Um, so for us, we really wanted to project this in a positive light. We didn't want to seem like we were complaining or we were angry about the industry. Um, right. We really wanted to kind of reflect it in a, in a positive way. And we don't, we don't want to challenge, you know, organizations. We want to be working with them. Um, so for us, the statement, you know, came about very naturally. And um, it was a way of us kind of welcoming the discussion as opposed to protesting it, um, in a sense. Um, so, you know, for us, it was pretty easy. Um, what, what about you, T? <laughs> uh, 
Good answer. Um, yeah, I think uh, you know how, <laughs> how we came together was um, yeah. I mean, this is a conversation, and this is a topic that's come up since I've been in the industry, maybe for the last three or four years, quite a bit. And um, there's been different people that I've talked to at different conferences or events saying, "Oh, we should really start a group that kind of talks about these issues and tries to make a, a real change." And um, I think it was this year when. We started seeing stuff with George Floyd and everything that was happening in America and on your side of the pond that we actually said, listen, let's actually try and start a group within market research that talks about these issues and hopes to actually make a real difference. And, and so, you know, we had our first actual formal meeting, I think, back in March where, you know, Theo, who's, who's our head of strategy, and Bob Koreshi, who um, has been in the industry for a really long time, kind of was the person, the people that kind of brought everyone together. Because mm-hmm. they're quite well networked, and they said, "Guys, let's let's meet up and let's try and see if we can start an organisation in a similar way that MRS Pride started, a women in research, but more focused on ethnic diversity." The one thing that Sia touched upon, which is really true, is we don't want to be seen as industry bashing. We don't want to be seen as exclusive. It's very much something that we feel is an inclusive organisation that you know we don't want to be some sort of rebel group in the industry. We actually want to work with industry, and that's a big part of specifically my role within the, within core is about strategic partnerships. That's what I'm trying to actually have conversations about, which is reaching out to organizations and other research agencies and saying, listen, work with us. We can help you make a change and you can help us make a change as well. And, and that's kind of how yeah. I look at it. Yeah. All, all win by working together, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. I love that. I you know, these are uncomfortable conversations. These are conversations that a lot of companies have either never had or they just assumed that they were addressing or have been addressing at a certain point. But it's, this isn't a one-and-done conversation. It's not something that you discuss in a strategy business meeting, you know, four years ago, put in place these couple of policies and let it go. That's not something that... Um, that's not real. I mean, it is reality, and that's what we need to change, right, is um, continuing to have these conversations and then talking to those people that maybe those hiring decisions that were made, um, you look at what was the retention rate of that or, you know, how many of them are still there and how are they feeling, how many of them have been promoted. Like, let's actually look at what the impact of any of those policies have been and continue to talk about what we can do to improve in them. And I think that's great because a lot of companies, at least in the past, in every industry, figured they were just checking that box. And they figured yeah. checking the box is good enough. And yeah. it's not good. Yeah, it's not yeah good. and I think you touched on a point there, which is around core is almost the group that is formulating the dialogue around this, making it comfortable to have these discussions. I think a lot of people probably thought they wanted to make a change, but they didn't know how to bring up the conversation internally in their company or even externally. And that's kind of what core is. How can we have these dialogues, these conversations? For instance, if you are a senior lead in a company and you might be white, male, middle-aged, you might feel a bit awkward about what to do and what to say, right? right. And this is where we feel core can come in and actually help. You know, it's not a matter of just, um, it's not just a matter of organizations ticking a box. We really want to show organizations that there's a benefit in having, you know, an ethnically diverse workforce. Um, Mackenzie did a study um, not long ago and it showed that um, the leadership companies that had an ethnically diverse leadership board were 32% more successful as an organization. Um, you know, so these are the things that we want to be discussing as well as, as, well as wanting that diversity. There's, there is the business uh, benefit to it. 
Um, yeah. So that's also something that we want to we want to highlight. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump around that actually. Now. Yeah. And, and actually, just what you what you touched on there actually is even more interesting from market research perspective because a lot of the time, as market researchers, we're trying to do in, insight and research with populations. And a lot of the time, the people that are doing that, that insight and research might not necessarily reflect the populations of the research with, right? So they don't know sometimes how to analyze data, how to think about questions, how to actually approach the problems or the, or the, or the topic, essentially. And that's something that I think could have a real benefit on the industry as a whole, and hopefully develop better insights down the line. Great. I love that. Um, so you talked a little bit about, you know, how you got together as a group and said, you know, let's let's really form this um, organization. Can you, I'm a big, um, uh, like, not a little, like, fairy tailor, but, like, I like to tell these stories about, like, here's my origin story, and we were sitting around seven cups of coffee and painting a picture of, you know, how you got started in CORE, uh, or how you really started core, like Sia, you're really new in the industry, not, I mean, three years in, to Tenda, you've been having these conversations in the industry a little bit longer. Um, so I can, I can understand a little bit more, um, or I can picture, because I'm that person, uh, to Tenda, how, you know, you helped uh, become a part of core and, and, like, how you founded the org. Sia, I would love to hear from you. Um, just how you jumped in with two feet and feeling like, I mean, we've talked about how you just like to conquer things without taking a second thought, <laughs> I'm going to do this. So I want to hear a little bit more about your specific, like, involvement in CORE, how you heard of it, how you were like, yes, I'm writing my my name on that charter, I'm going to do this, and this is what I need to do for me and the industry. Yeah. Um, so. Having said that, I used to go, I go to a lot of conferences and events, so um, naturally in those three years I kind of built a really strong um, network and I knew a lot of people when I walked into these rooms. Um, and I was actually invited to be a part of CORE, um, mainly because I was ha having these discussions about the lack of representation in these events and, you know, just it was kind of a topic of discussion. Um, but also I was actually invited by Bob Qureshi from iView. Um, he was one of the first people I connected with when I came in and um, into the industry and he really mentored me and helped me through uh, my career and he kind of asked to have me on um, I think he saw that I was maybe an asset um, I'm not sure what he was thinking but <laughs> I think um, yeah so <laughs> he asked me on and I mean when we first had our call our Zoom call um, everyone seemed really experienced and they are and, and you know they've spent years in this industry and I was so intimidated because you know I feel like I'm quite young compared to these people um, well they are young sorry I don't mean to <laughs> <laughs> in a sense, as in, I'm so young in my career, um, <laughs> I was really intimidated. I'm offended. Um, you know, by just <laughs> I don't mean that. <laughs> um, but yeah, sorry, I don't mean to offend you. I just mean in the sense that I'm so young in the in my profession, and and having, I mean, having the title of co-founder is really intimidating. Um, and at first, I was quite hesitant. And I didn't feel like I could, you know, be an asset to the team or I, I would be helpful. Um, but I think that now I've kind of realized it's not a market research issue. It's really a 
global issue, isn't it? I mean, we're talking yeah. about ethnic diversity. And as a person of colour, it's a very easy conversation to have for me, you know, to talk about my race, to talk about the differences. So, you know, it wasn't a matter of, okay, I haven't been in the industry for long enough. I'm a person of colour. Uh, you know, this I've always wanted to champion this. And it's very close to my heart. So, you know, I'm just really excited to be involved, although I was hesitant. But, um, but yeah, there was no, like, magical kind of... Um, ceremony and we didn't all just we didn't all just get together miraculously it was you know very dull and it was over a zoom call but i mean we all you know connect really well we all get along um so so yeah i forgot about the whole pandemic zoom call <laughs> i know <laughs> that's my like romanticizing uh charter signings that's like <laughs> literally <laughs> something i've always wanted to do <laughs> And so they all unmu- unmuted themselves and said, I'm in. And it was done. do you have anything to add? No, I, I guess the only thing I'll say is uh, everyone has a role and it really does fit in with their expertise. So, uh, you know, Theo, that, you know, as a head of strategy, he's, he's, he's an entrepreneurial guy. He's always thinking about new ideas. We have Charlene who heads up events and she's got an event background. So I think what's been nice is it did start off organically and there wasn't, I guess, a magic moment per se. But what's nice is the way that the groups and organizations developed is that everyone that's a co-founder has kind of found their niche and their fit to sort of add value to the organization and drive it forward, which is quite nice. So, you know, my role is head of strategic partnerships and the reason people said I should do that is because my role is business development and I know a lot of people in the market research industry. So it kind of works quite well in that way. So. Right, right. Yeah. We're also really passionate um, to be involved. So like when we first had that Zoom call, we all was, you know, relaying our own stories and experiences in life to do with race. And you could just tell, you know, everyone was so passionate and it was really close to their heart. So, you know, it's something that everyone really wanted to be involved with. Yeah. Um, and then just for um, we're we're gonna link in our show notes, um, linking back to color research, and I think um, you guys have a podcast as well, right? I think I saw that. So we'll link to your podcast, um, so people can come and visit you and and uh, explore a little bit more about what your pillars are and um, really get to know what your uh, what your charter is. Oh, yeah. great, great. That'll be good. Yeah. Um, so CORE has grown quite a bit since since your founding in March. Um, what is your vision? What is your vision for CORE in the next year? Sia, what do you see happening with CORE in the next six to 12 months? Well, I think firstly, I think I, I, when I want to come, we want the conversation to be alive and, you know, as fiery as it is at the moment, uh, we don't want it to lose its fire. We don't want it to, to lose its value. We want, you know, organizations to still be having this as a priority, just as, you know, women in the industry is um, prioritized. We also want ethnic diversity. Um, so I think to keep the conversation going and, you know, just to have um, organizations wanting to make the change and wanting their workforce to be diverse. Yeah. Um, I think that's our main goal. And, you know, we have a lot of initiatives that we're, we're working on and we're doing, um, but the end goal, of course, is to have a more representative, representative um, industry. Yeah, I love that. Katenda, how about you? Yeah, I think, yeah, you know, it's been touched on right there. I think, I think that's all right. Um, I think the only thing I'd add is maybe what we also want to do is sort of bring evidence to the issue. 
So I think we talked about mm-hmm. this when we caught up maybe a couple of weeks ago, was around research, right? Yeah. What, what is the evidence of the issue? So from the level of, you know, what is the makeup of companies in the UK and then down the line globally when it comes to ethnic representation? And then beyond that, what, what what's happening when we look at retention and senior development? And that's something that I think Paul could really add a lot of value and be the voice of the industry, right? Yeah. And continue doing research to highlight what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. In that research, are you also looking into um, the experiences that people of ethnic backgrounds are having to just highlight, okay, here's not just the numbers of what we're looking at, but here's also how they're feeling in specific sizes of organizations or anything like that. Is that something that's in your scope? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, that's definitely in our scope. We're still actually in the sort of planning stages right now. So we definitely tend to have a quantitative phase, which is going to give you the hard numbers, right? But there is definitely going to be a qualitative phase to kind of give uh, evidence of how people are finding how they work in the industry and what's going on in their internal company. Um, I think one of the challenges we may face, and we want to make sure that this isn't something that happens, is we want to make sure that people can actually speak and give us their experiences and not feel comfortable in their career progression as a result, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. we want people to be able to tell us what's happening, what's going on, and not feel that what they say to us will lead to them not, you know, getting... Not progressing. Not progressing. Yeah. 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 No, I absolutely hear you on that. I'm just excited. I'm excited to see what you guys do in the next six months to a year. <laughs> Let us know what yeah. Um, I think down the line, future and um, beyond 12 months, hopefully, actually before 12 months, launch in America. Um, I think the plan would be to sort of have a franchise model uh, mm-hmm. where we sort of set up core US and launch it in the same way we've done in the UK. And I think that's something our plan definitely within 12 months. So, yeah. Just keep growing. Yeah, keep yeah, growing. Yeah. So we're going to maybe change gears, maybe not, um, just a little bit, and and a, kind of on a little bit more fun note. Um, Sia, if you could have your wish and have one change in the industry, what would it be? Um, I think it would be to have everyone feeling comfortable to talk about race, um, as opposed to the feeling so unfamiliar, um, you know, not coming from an ethnic background, it can be really uneasy and uncomfortable um, to speak about something so controversial. Um, so I think one change and the first change would probably just be to have everyone talk about it um, and be more comfortable with it. Um, because at the moment, there's still a lot of people, so a lot of allies that um, don't feel like they have the right knowledge or the right experiences to talk on the topic. And um, we want to let everyone know that, you know, it's something that everyone should talk about. It's it's to do with our society. You know, we want to we want to be all be able to feel included. Um, and so for that reason, I think the most important is to have everyone feeling um, comfortable. That's a lovely dream. Tatenda, what would be your wish? Uh, I guess it's just at its basic level, seeing more faces like me. Um, I, I, I touched upon I've touched upon this a few times. I mean, if you look in London. Uh, the representation is, you know, 41% of people are of an ethnic background. When you look at agencies and market research companies, it doesn't come anywhere near that. So yeah. I think for me, that is something that I'd love to see, you know. And it, and I guess 
market research being seen as an industry for people who are young, graduate students, people that aren't even necessarily in university, who are of an ethnic background saying, this is a career for me, this is something I want to fall into and get into, really, and, and, and it's exciting. I love it. Those are both beautiful dreams. They really are. We haven't, we haven't had a ton of guests on the podcast, but you guys are our first international guests on the podcast. Um, so what I would love to know and just hear anecdotally is your own personal perceptions about what you're seeing regarding the race issues and um, social justice um, and that's happening right now in the U.S. Um, Sia, let's start with you. What do you, what's your perception about what's happening? Oh, it's very political. <laughs> um, I mean, oh, you, I don't have say... to, like, you don't have to go into any, like, buckets. It can be very general if you want to. <laughs> No, I mean, generally speaking, um, I mean, I have a lot of my cousins actually live out in in uh, California and Vegas, so I, you know, speak to them quite often, and they're always kind of updating me on what's going on, and um, for them, they've experienced a lot of race issues there themselves, so it's quite a personal thing. Um, but I mean, generally speaking, um, you know, I see a lot of things on the news, and of course, with everything going on at the moment, it's really upsetting. Um, it's just, it's it's something that I could never fathom experiencing myself. Um, that's I mean, that's kind of how I see it. Um, I see it as a much more difficult place to be as a person from an ethnic background compared to the UK. I think we have it a lot more easier here compared to the US. Um, and I think that's just kind of what's seen from the media and, um, you know, all the stories that are shared online. Um, so, it's, I mean, it's not a great percep- perception. Um, and, I mean, I hope it's changing, um, but I don't know much too much about it to, to speak on it. But... Um, yeah, I think, I mean, that's my perception for, on it yeah. at the moment. Yeah. 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 Tatanda, what do you think? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. I guess, um, you know, when you look from the outside in, America at the moment does seem like quite a divided country, right? You know, it's uh, it's become very uh, politicized and polar. And it never used to be like that. I mean, I can just talk from my experience. When I grew up in, in Africa, uh, American culture was just at the forefront, you know, I could tell you about TV shows, Fresh Prince, all that type of stuff I used to watch, right, and it was very, you know, when I looked at America, it was very aspirational at the time, Um, I think at the moment it does feel like there's a lot of divisiveness, a lot of, you know, polarization and anger across lines, uh, and race, and this isn't just to do with race, and um, I guess the, the positive silver lining I can say, if we look at what's happening in regards to black relations, these are issues that have been talked about by black people for a very long time. And at least now it's at the forefront, right? You know, and I think that's through social media, uh, smartphone technology. Um, you know, you know, you had the Rodney King uh, situation in the early 90s. And yeah. then it almost went quiet for 20 years, right? Yeah. And then you had, uh, I can't remember who was in New York, that got strangled for selling cigarettes. And it's only recently that now I think it feels like it's at the forefront of everyone's mind, which I think is a good thing. And it's starting to debate mm-hmm. and, and, and dialogue around that. So I'm trying to look at it with a silver lining rather than it being all negative, that maybe at least now we're talking about the next wave of change that needs to happen. Well, Sia and Tatenda, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate your very candid conversations. Thank you for sharing your um, your thoughts and your feelings and your wishes for the industry. Um, please keep us posted as CORE continues. 
everyone listening, go and follow CORE on LinkedIn. I've done it. They're posting things all the time. They're linking to podcasts. They have a podcast. Listen to everything. Interact. Follow. Sign up to help where you can. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, So, yeah, just thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Absolutely lovely hearing from you both and learning from you both. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Z again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. You'll find links to Core's website, podcast, and LinkedIn page in the show notes. Please like this episode wherever you listen to it, whatever platform you listen to it on. Share with your peers and get the word out about CORE. Most of all, get involved with CORE. See where you can help with their mission and vision. 